Is your life filled with wisdom or is it consumed with doubt? Well, on today's episode, we're going to be looking at James chapter one and learning how we can overcome doubt and live a confident faith that God honors. So get your Bibles out, turn to James chapter one, and let's dive into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I'm so glad to be with you guys here on today's podcast as we continue to explore the book of James. And I just cannot wait to dive into this passage with you. Again, I pray every time as we start this episode that God would bless you, that he would strengthen you, that the Holy Spirit will continue to give you the power, my friend, and the strength to carry on. We are living in troubled times and we are seeing persecution on the rise. And we're also seeing many Christians who profess, that is, to be Christians, to be really dead in works. No effort whatsoever, not just to share Christ, but to even meet the needs of their neighbors around them. And we are having many Christians, my friends. Right now, we are investigating some stuff that we're going to be putting out a video down the road and looking at a lot of the false prophets that are out there today. And it's so, so sad as you watch many of these sermons on video and you're seeing the crowds of people that flock to these churches or jump to this YouTube channel or even listen to a podcast to hear these false prophets proclaim, thus saith the Lord, talking about them being in the courts of heaven and God revealed this to them and God's decreeing them to do something and they have to legally give God the right to enact his decrees on earth. That, my friends, is despicable. It's detestable and it should be refuted. And so that's why on this podcast, it's not my words. This is us spending time opening the word of God and studying the word of God verse by verse. That is our purpose. That's why we exist. Hence the name standing strong in the word. You and I as a Christian, we don't stand strong in our opinions. We don't even stand strong in what our pastors say or some type of celebrity Christian. We stand strong in the word of God from the book of Genesis to Revelation. So I encourage you wherever you're at to Let's just take this time to dive into James. We're going to continue to be looking at verses 5 through 8. And as always, you can go to standstrongministries.org, click on podcast. All my notes are there available for you. And we're going to be packaging, actually, a lot of these um, Bible teachings into video formats so that you can be studying them in small groups as well. So I'll be keeping you posted on that. Now, let me just bring you up to speed from our previous podcast when we were uh, leaving things off up to verse 4. Uh, let me just read you this passage and just to 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 remind us of about the trials that James introduces uh, to the to the readers of this letter where he says in verse 2 count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect complete lacking in nothing and so now as we continue what James is writing to the scattered church, we're going to see in verses five through eight, how we can now face the doubts 
that we are oftentimes consumed by. See, before what James does is he's reminding them that you're going to go through affliction and it's going to look differently to different people. Some of you may be experiencing suffrage like uh, other people have experienced or are currently going through. Band together, but most importantly, be joyful because these trials will not destroy you, but rather they will produce steadfastness. And I have to say, my friends, as I look back at 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 through 8, and this assurance that Peter himself is telling Christians to have and looking back at Jesus and saying, blessed are you when others revile and they persecute you. And I see the character that comes as a result of people who hold fast to the word of God, who hold fast in the midst of trials and they look to God. There is such a difference with those type of believers versus the ones who are critical, who complain all the time, who bicker about things, who get frustrated about stuff. And yet here, as we're going through the study in the book of James, we see clearly that James is telling you and I what to do in the midst of trials, what to do when doubt consumes us. And oftentimes you hear so many Christians, they get so confused about what to do. The Bible is very clear. So now as we go from how to endure trials in verses two through four and how it produces steadfastness, remember that word was tenacity, to stand up against uh, some, some type of difficulty, some, again, some type of trial that you, don't, that you don't feel that you can overcome. But yet, in the midst of it, as you look to God, He gives you the strength as He refines you. He matures you. Your life will be stronger. And there's no way, my friends, that no matter what you're going through right now, when you starve yourself from God's word, that you will actually be able to get through it. Now, in time, you may get through it in the sense that it's over, but have you really matured? Because remember, we are to be perfect, blameless, complete, whole, lacking nothing, meaning being fully perfected in every aspect. That's what we're striving to be for on this earth to be more like Christ. And so Christians, we are to persevere through hardship. But now in this new section here, James, and I love this because he deals with the emotional state, what they're going through physically, but he addresses the spiritual joy that we have as Christians and not to lose sight of that. Because remember, when you have faith, there's hope. And when you have hope, you have peace. And that's ultimate joy. Things on earth may be bad now, but we look to God and his plan for us, though we may not fully know it, but we know in time we will be with him. We will dwell with him, the Bible says, in glory. And so that's the eternal perspective. But then I love this section now because he's saying, listen, you will have your doubts. Now, obviously, remember in context, he's dealing with trials. And oftentimes doubts start populating in our mind and they start growing if we feed them, not saying that doubts are entirely true. And that's often the case. We start worrying or doubting things that are not true, but they often do come in the midst of trial. Why is this happening? Does God not love me? Did I do something wrong? Etc. And that tends to happen. I love this because James then addresses it in verses five through eight. So let's look at what James says here. He says, if any of you lacks, now again, in the Greek, when he says, if any of you lacks, that means not to possess something which is necessary. 
like wisdom. So if any of you lacks wisdom, and the wisdom here is skill, experience, it's a, a sense of shrewdness. He says, let him ask God who gives generously. That's a single-mindedness, a single undivided intent. God is not going to be passive of those type of prayers when you're praying specifically for something that God can give you. So it says that he will give generously to all without reproach. I mean, he won't rebuke. He's not going to put blame on you and say, well, if you did have done this, I would have done, you know, then I would have done it. No, he's saying, look it, God will give you generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Verse six, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. The word here for doubting means divided in the mind to be in a sense of debate or to have uncertainty. For the one who doubts, so the one who is divided in their mind, the one who's consumed with uncertainty is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Verse seven, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because he is double-minded. He's a man who's unstable in all of his ways. The word here, double-minded, these two words combined, means like a double-souled. It, it, it's an w- unusual terminology that really only James uses in the New Testament. And it carries this idea of, of that you know to seek God for wisdom, but you refuse to do it because you're so conflicted for whatever reason. And so then that person, the Bible says, is unstable. They are uh, out of control to some extent. So this is so important now because in the midst of trials, in the midst of doubt, because remember, whatever you're doubting right now in life, maybe you're doubting the love for God, that maybe you're doubting whether or not you're a Christian. Maybe you're doubting a relationship that you're in right now or, or doubting that God can use you in some capacity and you lack the faith that God can use you. That is a form of a trial, my friends. And again, the longer you don't deal with your doubts, they will deal with you. And so doubts don't automatically bring a Christian to a rejected faith. They oftentimes bring a Christian to a dejected faith. Now, if you want to go in greater detail about that, I wrote a book called Stand Strong in Your Faith. And we have a chapter that we deal with doubt entirely. And that's a very important chapter. And then later on, there's another chapter we talked about how to live fearlessly in the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You have a lot of Christians who are knowledgeable in scripture. They've they've attended church for, for great periods of time. Maybe some of them even teach a Bible study, but they lack character. They lack perseverance. They, they lack a sense of fearlessness, uh, because they are not really controlled and directed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so here now, as we look back in chapter one, verse five here in James, the key thing, my friends, and all the stuff that's going on, you have to have the joy there and you got to seek for wisdom because God is moving. God is explaining something and we have to be able to see what he is telling you. But if you, if you don't doubt your doubts, if you don't learn how to overcome them, with the wisdom that only God can give you, you will be destroyed by them. And that, my friends, is what's happening to a lot of Christians. So I commend you again for taking the time to be in God's word uh, with me as we explore the riches and the truth of God's eternal word. 
So here when he says, if any of you lacks, asking God, when you lack something, asking God to give it to you is what we're called to do. But notice it says, if any of you lacks money in the midst of trials, right? If any of you lacks something physically, ask God and he'll give it to you. No, what's more important than riches is wisdom. You and I need wisdom when we're going through trials. You and I need wisdom in so many things in our lives. We need wisdom every day. We cannot neglect that. And so this, and, and, and yes, he's addressing the situation that he, the early church finds themselves in, but he's also addressing that this is a prayer that we are to pray every day. We're to ask God every day to give us the wisdom, give us the skill, give us experience, give us shrewdness, how we are to not just manage our affairs, but how we are to engage people, how we're to use the wisdom God gives us to do the Great Commission. And I love this because he's saying, God will give you generously. God is not going to withhold things from you. He's not going to put blame on you. But God's going to give it to you generously when you ask in sincerity, when you ask in faith. So when you ask God for an understanding of the trial that you're going through right now, you want to ask him, God, what's the purpose of this? Now, again, you're not saying that facetiously. You're saying, Lord, what is the purpose? What do you want to reveal to me? What are you revealing inside of me? Where do I need to grow? Where do I need to endure? Because later in this letter to the scattered churches in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, James is going to deal with the form of wisdom that we need from heaven, not from the earth. Now, this is something that's reflective of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 7, 7 and 8, when he says, to ask, to seek, and to knock, and it will be given to you. And James kind of expounds what that is. It's about wisdom. And I also believe that when he's talking about lacking wisdom, so therefore ask God in faith, he's also pointing out Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 14, which says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. So remember, you're going to be blessed when you find wisdom, when you ask God for wisdom in the midst of whatever you're going through. The Proverbs continue to say, and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. So just like I was saying earlier, we're not asking, again, it's not wrong to ask God to bless you for something tangibly. Like, Lord, we need this house. We're praying for this car. We're praying for this to work out. We're praying that you give us the money so we can send our kids to this particular camp or that we get this job so that we can afford this. Not Again, you're not doing it in a sense of greed, but you're asking God's will to be done. And the Bible tells us it will be given to you because you're asking for something that is far greater than silver and, and gold. Because at the heart of what you're praying is that you can use these resources to bring glory to God. And that's a beautiful thing, my friends. So don't lose sight of that. God's holy intent is to give his children exactly what they need to live their life and get this, to please the Lord. You know, when Solomon was in Gibeon, he said in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, when the Lord appeared to him in a dream by night, God asked him, ask Solomon, what shall I give you? And what did he ask? He did ask that God would give him the ability to shepherd the wisdom that he needed, the love that he needed to shepherd his people. In Matthew 21, verse 22, Jesus says, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. John 16, 24 
Jesus said, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So notice the connection. Find it all joy, my brothers, when, you, when you're going through various different trials. Because steadfastness will come. You, you will be resilient. It will build character, strength, endurance in your life. But when you're going to be doubting, though, whether or not you're understanding what's going on or when this is going to end, and you could be consumed by, maybe it's a physical illness that you've been suffering from for a long period of time. And you could be to, become to a point where you're so discouraged thinking, I don't ever think I'm going to be healed. I don't ever think this is going to depart from me. And sometimes we can think that whatever we're going through, in a, like a physical an element, that it could be a thorn in the flesh like that God had brought upon Paul to humble him, to buffet him. And so whatever we're going through, it, 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 can get, it can get downright exhausting, can it, my friends? And I've been there. I've been there. I've been consumed with doubt. There have been plenty of times in the ministry for two plus decades where I felt incompetent. I felt that the work that I'm supposedly doing for God is really nothing. And in the, in, in the return, if you will, is really amounting to nothing. Has this been a waste of time? And you can struggle through these things. That could be through negative talk with some people. Some people are being critical. You can have your naysayers. It could be the enemy attacking you spiritually, demonic activity. You can, you know, jump into oppression because of the surroundings or yourself fall into sin and it starts dominating your life. There's a number of different things. But notice that when you ask for these things and you're given to him, your joy will be full. So when you have wisdom in your life, the joy will be there. So it's not just finding joy in trials, thinking this is great. No, it's given you have joy because there's wisdom in the midst of the trials. And again, there can be 10 things that God's showing you. And you could be right now in a phase of your life where you've under five, you've understood five of them. But there's still five more to go. And so what I say to that is keep on going, my friends. Keep trusting the Lord. He is faithful. But notice what he says now in verse six, but let him ask in faith. So it goes back to those verses I said in Matthew 21, verse 22 and John 16, 24. You have to ask in faith with no doubting. You cannot be divided in your mind. That's why I encourage people when you do pray and you're asking for wisdom, just like we went back and we saw like Solomon, God says, ask and I'll give it to you. Just like when we looked at what Jesus said, these are the words of Jesus. Believe in those things, but you have to live them out, my friends. You can't just say, well, I believe that intellectually, but I'm not spiritually as obedient in the truth to walk in them. No, it, it's a both and. You can't have a divided mind. You can't let uncertainty consume you. And so in one sense, you have to address that particular sin before you can address whatever it is that God wants to show you in the midst of the trial. You know, when you do look at prayer, and again, I encourage you, E.M. Bounds is one of my favorite authors who's written extensively about prayer. And gosh, there's so many other things and so many other people I can mention. But I encourage you even to read some of his things on prayer. But prayer must be done in confident faith. That means you have to trust in God for direction, for answers. Remember, you're praying according to his will, that his will be done. 
in Hebrews 11, verse 6, he says, the writer of Hebrews says, and without faith, remember, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek after him. So in asking the Lord, remember going back to Matthew 7, 7, 8, it's asking, seeking, and knocking. There's a persistency, the persistency there. You can't give up. And so along the lines with Hebrews 11, verse 6 here, is that you have to diligently seek him. You can't just be these flippant prayers. Well, I prayed once or twice in a week. That's another reason why I encourage people to record their prayers. To review back and say, oh my gosh, I totally forgot that I was praying this. Lord, forgive me. What little faith or even what, a, what little uh, memory I have of how I've been praying. Because the Bible specifically says here, for the one who doubts, meaning the one who prays but doesn't expect God to answer. God can't answer prayers that are not relying on faith. God can't answer prayers that are driven by doubt, my friends. So self-doubt, if, the, if it's left unchecked, it can cause major harm in a person's life. It can cripple your reliance on God. It can, call you, it can, it can cause you to call into question uh, your motives and your actions. And I've seen that time and time again. I, I, I would go around in a series of teachings I was doing several years ago, and it wasn't a question. I would just say, describe your faith to an audience of students, to an audience of parents. And inevitably, I would get the majority of the people saying, it's not as strong as I'd like it to be. Now, I get, I, I get it. There's a level of humility that we all need to have. But notice the Bible teaches us to be pure, to be blameless, to be confident in our faith. And yet so many of us talk in doubt. And the reason being, I believe, that this defeatist attitude is among many Christians is because we're double-minded. And I'll get to that in a minute. But I want to point out this imagery that James uses in referring to nature, the waves of the sea. Now, this is the first time he uses nature, and this won't be the last, to illustrate his point. In describing a double-souled, a double-minded person, someone who knows God is God exists and that God is a God of wisdom, but is conflicted between God and the world. See, that's the point, my friends, at the heart of what's going in our lives. And I've looked at it in my own life and when I've been consumed with doubt, it's pride or a level of vulnerability that I'm not willing to give, to show and to give over to someone. So I can try to be a little bit vulnerable to, to, the God, to God, but then God's saying, "Go, no, you need to exercise that, show that to other people that I put in your life that you can trust and I'm not willing to do it. And so this can consume us to the point where it can cause people to be out of control or they're not willing to give up a particular sin and so they're blaming God as to why they're living the life they're living in sin because God won't take it away from them. But the reality is they're not willing, they're double-minded. Oh, if I get rid of this and what about this and what's going to happen or you're in a relationship and you're not willing to break this relationship off because it means too much to you in your flesh. Remember, that doesn't mean that you're having sexual, that you're committing sexual sin. You can be idolizing this person. You can't see your life without this person. And so you're double-minded. You're, you're like tossed to and fro in these waves. And so think about yourself thrown out in the ocean. It's out of control. You're going to drown. So what James is doing here 
he is underscoring the need to have unwavering faith in the midst of trials. So when you ask in faith, my friends, as a follower of Jesus Christ, according to James, who wrote this inspired letter, we are not to be reckless. We're not to be unstable Christians. When you go back to the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. So yes, you may be going through something right now that's very intense and it's hurting you. We've seen several friends of ours who've lost loved ones due to COVID. They've lost their job because of the economy. They are scared because of the uncertainty with what's happening politically around the country in the United States. They have lost a child due to cancer and on and on. I mean, I just looking back in the last few months of what I've witnessed that not only my family has gone through and the trials that we've gone through, but also seeing what other people are going through. And you know what, truthfully, in the midst of it, what God is revealing to us each and every time, and I believe he's also saying this to the church as a whole, you're looking to other things and not to me. And you know what? God will strip it, my friends. He will take those things away. So as I conclude this podcast, as we looked at James chapter 1, 5 through 8, doubting your doubts, you need to ask God for wisdom and you need to ask him in faith. And that type of faith is not flippant, like a form of flippancy here and there. No, chart it, write it down, back it up with scripture, talk to other people and Give it over to the Lord and even fast if necessary. And oftentimes it will require require a fast. As I'm recording this, I'm fasting right now from some things as I'm seeking God for more wisdom. And so I want to join you together, all of us join each other in the body of, of Christ as we listen to this podcast to persevere and not to give up. So Christians, we will have our issues with God. We will raise questions to him about life, about why me from time to time, right? And oftentimes they're going to go unanswered. Now, I don't want to just say, you know, and it's okay. Don't worry about it. Of course, you're going to worry about it. I worry about it. There have been times where I've had disrespectful, irreverent conversations with the Lord. And man, oh man, God took me to the woodshed. And you're going to have those too, my friends. But here's the thing. God is not intimidated with your questions. God's love is far greater than your doubts. And so life at times will throw us things that we least expect. But you know what? God's not surprised by any one of them. And as I said earlier, your doubt, it may not be causing you to reject God. You may be refraining from spending time with God, which will ultimately lead to a a dejected faith. And so if you don't gain the wisdom to deal with your doubts, if you don't ask God in faith how to deal with your doubts in the midst of trials, then your doubts are going to destroy you, my friend. They're going to consume you. So if there is something in your life, an idol, that has caused you to spend more time, you're devoting more time to it, you have to give that to the Lord. Okay? You have to let that go. Otherwise, God cannot bless you in your endeavors, in your life, and build character and give you wisdom that that I'm sure you do desire if you're not willing to give up that idol in your life. And oftentimes, my friends, that is a form of, of the root of where the doubt has come from, where it stemmed from. 
So I pray that this has encouraged you guys. I just appreciate uh, the the prayer requests that that you guys send at info at standstrongministries.org. And I and just want to also encourage you guys that if you also have doubts through various different topics about maybe homosexuality, about mental health issues, about premarital sex, or when it comes to issues of politics and racism or substance abuse, divorce and remarriage, I wrote a book called Challenging Conversations, a practical guide to help the church discuss these controversial topics and do it in a way where we, according to Ephesians 4 verse 15, we speak the truth in love. So if there's a lot of doubts, maybe a lot of questions you have with those different topics and how a Christian should not only know what the Bible says about them, but how to engage a uh, culture that, of course, is becoming very, not just polytheistic, but very atheistic as well. At the same time, there are a lot of people who are believing in many gods and there's a lot of people who are believing in no God. This book will help you guys and give you the faith that you need in the, in, in the answers, the reasonable, valid, objective answers to engage this culture for Christ. So you can go to Amazon and other places where books are sold, but take advantage of getting that book. So you guys, I love you. And I'm so thankful to have this time with you guys and just continue to pray that God will give you the wisdom that you need because you put your faith and trust in him. Till next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.